Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. And hello as well to those of you watching live on Facebook. Please do leave any questions you have for myself or Samuel in the comments section and we'll address a couple of those towards the back end of the live broadcast. We should be live for just under 30 minutes this lunchtime on Monday the 26th of July. Samuel, we've been waiting a long time for United to finally unveil their second signing of the summer. It was always a case of when rather than if and Jaden Sancho officially a red. I bet you're relieved to have that, that one over and done with. I think we all are, yes. Uh, I think it was even though there was the frustration for United and for us journalists last year that that deal didn't happen, that always seemed to be a transfer that was going to materialise at some point or another. And probably upwards of two years, I think everyone's expected Sancho to eventually end up at United purely because of the profile of the player, the direction the club is going in, the signing strategy that they've overseen during Solskjaer's time there and that whole recruitment reboot and the emphasis on on British players um, in particular, although having said that, they didn't sign a British player last year. But Sancho is just, he, he strikes you as a Manchester United player in terms of the, the fee that he was going to command. I think United were the only team that were realistically ever going to spend that kind of money on him as well. He was never going to go back to City. I think Pep Guardiola was pretty transparent about that. And you take City out of the equation and I know Chelsea seem to have a bit more money to play with these days and have maybe sign more significant players than, than people just think. I mean, Kepari the Balaga cost them 70-odd million pounds, but he's a backup goalkeeper that nobody pays, pays much attention to these days. So it, it was always going to be United, and Sancho had, had told confidants, friends at City, before he'd even left the club, that he envisaged him, himself coming back to England and, and specifically to Manchester, and he was always going to come back and wear red and, and not blue again. Yeah, it's one of those, like you said, the legacy finally over and a year on really from those real intense talks as well. United have got their man. And interestingly enough, it sort of does bring us on to the, the other elephant in the road room. Sorry, I'm reading all the comments here and you can guess which name is popping up the most. But United United had a free run at Sancho. They've got a free run at Rafael Varane as well. The comments coming in here on the Facebook Live are, is it official? Announce Varane. Samuel, what is the latest on United's interest and pursuit of Rafael Varane? Well, I'm happy to be the bearer of, of good news again in that I will be absolutely amazed if that deal doesn't happen. I think something pretty, even more significant should, hap- should happen relatively soon, relatively quickly this week. As you said, United have had a free run at him pretty much. I think there were other clubs that looked at Varane, but realistically they were they would only have been prepared to hang tight and wait for him potentially running down his contract next year. But a player that good and a player who is that institutionally liked at United was never going to be allowed to get into that scenario, least of all by United, but also Real Madrid would not have allowed him to, to go on a free next year either, I don't think. And he, he's he's effectively preparing to move to Manchester. He's been preparing to play for United for a while now, from what I'm 
I've been told uh, some more details, more more specificity about that will come out once the signing has been made. And I think it's safe for me to say once the signing has been made now, because I'm personally that confident from what I've written about it and what I've been told about it that uh, that it should happen. So it's it's ten years since he he rejected United to go to Real Madrid. United ended up signing Phil Jones instead. Here we are 10 years later, Ferran's coming in and Phil Jones, really, if United could shift him, they would this summer. So they are qu- quite strangely linked, those those two players. And it's, it's pretty, um, pretty eerie how exactly a decade on, it seems as though one of them, their, their career is ending at one club. Well, both of their careers are ending at, at the clubs they've been at, but they joined in the same summer in 2011 and they could both be leaving those clubs in the same summer if, if Jones is in a fit enough state to be sold or loaned out this uh, within the next five weeks or so, which I suppose is a big if still. Yeah, exactly. And we'll come on to... Um departures shortly and like you said though Samuel finally Rafael Varane looking like he's going to get closer to coming to United in the coming days and like you said keep watching the Manchester Evening News our live blog etc for all the latest updates on Varane's future he is training with Real Madrid um, but you know it's going to be sort of a amicable exit from them and like Samuel said they need to need to sell rather than lose him for free next summer so just down to agreeing those financial fees as, as we saw Sancho it's never as straightforward as it maybe looks on video games etc but Samuel I guess the final Final question, which I was going to ask you on Varane, is time frame. I know fans, I know they're risky and we maybe don't want to be pegged down to an exact date, but confident that Varane is someone who United could have in place before the start of the season. See, that is a time frame I'm, I'm happy to, to go along with. I, I would confidently say he will be a United player in time to play Leeds in, was it just over two weeks' time? I, I think there's, there's certainly optimism that, as I said, something will happen this week maybe even within the next couple of days or so. It, it does feel very, very close now. They got Sancho boxed off last week. If if the club actually put out an official statement on Varane this week, that, that is very impressive going. If they can have those two names attached effectively as United players um, before before August, then that's that's not really something we usually associate with United in terms of the in terms of the speed of their negotiations and how protracted they can be. But they've they've targeted the right players and that they are two players who are going to improve the first eleven. They are certainly going into the first team as well. There's there's no doubt about that whatsoever. And they're going to get them for for good prices. I think combined, it wouldn't surprise me if you're talking about 120 million pounds, um, 130 million pounds for for Sancho and Varane. Given that last year Dortmund wanted for, uh, Sancho, um, that, that he was valued at 108 million pounds. I think for the sake of a year, United feel an awful lot of vindication with Sancho on on that front. With Varane, as I said, he, he is someone who has just been institutionally liked at United, dating back to when Sir Alex Ferguson clapped tires on him as a teenager at Lens. Uh, and, and David Frio, the United scout at the time, was was the one who was lobbying United to go for him. Then Mourinho would have loved Varane, but there was never really an opportunity to sign him while Mourinho was in charge. And it's United's good fortune that Varane is, is still at a pretty good age. He's, he's only 28. And I think if you've got the hunger to leave Real Madrid at this stage of your career and, and go to United, that, that says a lot about player's character and he's, he's got the hunger from what I've been told he's not a particularly flash guy he's he's fully lucid to the 
opportunities, the commercial opportunities that come with playing for a club like United, things that he hasn't explored in, in the past, he he seems set to explore now. I know he's he had a tie-up with um, a, a clothing label just before the European Championship started. So more opportunities like that are going to come along, but don't don't be fooled by that. He's he's very much focused on wanting to achieve things as as a footballer at United, and he's as, as I wrote today, he has asked to to study clips of their defending last season. And as I said, when when the deal is done, and I, I am confident saying when the deal is done, there'll be a bit more specificity about the exact details that he requests in terms of looking at United's defending last season so it's uh if you if you're a United fan it's a very very positive time at the moment because that would be two statement signings and the intent is obvious that's that's to challenge for the title yeah like you said there Samuel both players who have that sort of longevity about them and two really good characters I know it's something that's maybe cliched quite often but Oligos Solskjaer really is keen on having those, those sort of good eggs those good apples you know in, in, in his transfer in his dressing room he doesn't want to have people who are going to spoil it and make it upset a question in here saying United do transfers one at a time it is refreshing as you said Samuel that the business is is getting done so early in the window we've been used to in recent summers at least having to wait very late in the deadline before we've seen those those big signings made often um you've done a piece on this today uh United's priority you know in a hypothetical situation after they've got Varane looking more like midfield rather than fullback yes I think United are well aware that they have to be aware that they have got plenty of fullbacks as it is. And I don't think Alex Tellers' injury has that major knock-on effect in terms of their plans. I don't think they're going to be jerking their knee just because Alex Tellers has got injured at all. I think most fans would agree that midfield is the next area to improve where they need an upgrade in there. So I think Probably before the summer, most of us, just from discussing in podcasts at games, we, we probably thought that United needed three new players to go straight into the first team. And I think that third player would would be a midfielder. Um, having said that, I think when you look at, although it was just a friendly at the weekend, the way wan defended, that was how he defended an awful lot last season, dithering at the far post. I think a lot of, a lot of United fans in particular are becoming quite uh, frustrated with just how he is defending. He's he's known for not doing enough in attack, but his defending it seems to be questioned more and more, or has been over the last year, certainly. And and Trippier, you'd have to argue, is an upgrade. He he plays for England and he comfortably keeps his place in the England squad, whereas Wambasaka's never had that that international recognition. Trippier is a better attack-minded fullback. He has the flexibility to switch to a back three. Taking taking that wing back role, he can play at left back as well. So Despite the age, which is the big, the big red, the only red flag you'd probably say with Trippier, given that he turns 31 in September, it, it is a deal that makes an awful lot of sense. But that was always going to be a deal if it does happen. It will happen in late August, purely because he's got a year left, under a year left on his contract. There's going to be, you know, haggling over the fee. Atletico will try and outprice United. It'll, it could get to a point where United are able to negotiate the fee down because Atletico need the money. But the more pressing issue for United, of course, is having a top quality midfielder in there. But that, of course, there are so many nuances at play there because is Pogba going to be sold? How many midfielders have they got at the moment? I think they've got eight. They have to be, they have to balance the books there. They they can't have nine midfielders next season. Somebody has to not just go, somebody has to be sold. Maybe two have to be sold. And you start looking at Pereira, who is surplus. Uh, 
Nemanja Matic is not going to get much game time, has two years left on his contract. Pogba has made it pretty clear in the past that he's wanted out of United. His agent made it clear in December that he'd look to get him a transfer this summer as well. And as I've said before on previous podcasts, Mina Raiola has been eerily quiet. Uh, he's, he's ignored requests for comment. You've not seen any quotes from him crop up about Pogba for months and months and months and normally it's a surprise if Mina Raiola goes hours without saying anything about Paul Pogba so the midfield situation is clear as mud because United have got so many midfielders as it is the pandemic still is still having an impact I think United have done well to sign Sancho and they're going to sign Varane as well that's really good going when you know the rates are what they are and the, the pandemic is still it still exists we're, we're still having to live with it especially in the UK and, and, and other countries as well it's 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 here to stay you know the, the COVID-19 disease there's no getting away from that and United have lost around about 150 million pounds because of the pandemic they've pretty much not had any match day revenue in in 16 months so you have to be realistic about what they can afford and look I think they a midfielder is obviously something they would they would prioritise after Varane. They are definitely open to signing a second centre-back. But with that, of course, you have to get rid of the centre-back permanently or centre-backs. And then there's the full-back um, argument as well that comes into it because of the interest in Trippier. I don't for one minute think United, come the end of the window, will, sign, will have signed a midfielder, another centre-back to go with Varane and a full-back. I think they are just... Their areas of interest to United, United themselves do not expect and are not planning and are not budgeting to sign players for each of those areas. So it's just a case of how the market moves, what the state of play is with certain players, can they get rid of certain players? And that might then give them the leverage to make the signings they want. But it might be that there's just that compromise there in that if they can't get a midfielder in, they'll they'll say, well, OK, we'll we'll get a better right back in in, in Trippier and then we've got a, a, an even better defence than than we've already got at the time. So I, th- I think from Solskjaer's perspective, he's at least got stop gaps for those players. If, say, if Trippier doesn't come in, you've got Diogo Dallo and Aaron Wambasaka, which is not a, a bad couple of right backs to have whatsoever. Midfield is more of an issue in that there's not, apart from Matic, there is not a specialist defence midfielder, but I still think that is a role that Scott McTominay could succeed in. That's another problem though, isn't it, Samuel? You've got McTominay, Fred and Van der Beek. None of them really have their specialist roles yet. There's still question marks about all three of them, isn't there? So that would have Um, an impact. But I guess maybe one question to clarify to mm -hmm. the comments below. If United were to sign a midfielder, do you think it would be a defensive-minded midfielder? So it, it's it's a really it's a really good question because I think Pogba possibly dictates that. I think some people will be of the opinion that well it shouldn't. You just entrust Van der Beek and Fernandez as being the the controlling types to play if if you're playing a three man midfield, which is what Solskjaer wants to do. And you make sure as hell that you get a holding midfielder in, a defensive midfielder in who is an upgrade on Matic. But Solskjaer might be of the mindset that well I've watched Pogba. He can control games and he doesn't do it often enough, but he certainly can control a football match. I don't think Bruno Fernandes can. And that's going to be the test for Fernandes next season if they play 4-3-3. It's, is he the type of footballer who can develop into a controlling attacking midfielder like Kevin De Bruyne? Because Fernandes can settle games, he can decide games, his numbers are phenomenal. 
But the way he plays with that risk-taking, with that instinctive passing, it's not someone who's getting on the ball like you know Pedri did at the Euros or Jorginho or Verratti did for Italy in the final. It's not that player that, that England lack at major tournaments. And I'd, I'd be interested to see if they try that with Fernandez, even if it compromises his numbers and his numbers come down and it's very difficult to you know, keep them at that level anyway. But that might be something they're having to consider if if they finesse Fernandez's role um, to offset Pogba leaving. But Pogba, as, as brilliant a talent as he is, he can be very erratic. And if, if Van der Beek has got it in him to play that role, then, you know, it, the whole thing about the first season, it will just be completely dismissed if he comes good. And we have seen players come good in their second seasons at United, but it's still a huge ask for someone like Van der Beek to fill that void left left by Pogba. So I, I w- with the, um, uh, the the person who asked the question, I agree that they should just get a defensive midfielder in irrespective of whether Pogba stays or whether Pogba, Pogba goes because you've got to do what's best for the team. And the Europa League final showed that the best players don't always make for the best team because without Fred in there with McTominay, the balance wasn't quite right and United really weren't much of a threat whatsoever across two hours of football. Yeah, exactly. Like you said there, Sam, as well, I think it is important to note, particularly maybe from a fan's point of view, that United will just be reactive to what happens in the window. You know, sometimes opportunities come out of nowhere and that can really dictate what happens. And of course, the other factor, I guess we can come on to this now, is that United, you know, Sancho and Varane are like, well, like we said, they're going to come in. You're going to have Sancho and Varane for next season. Anything else on top of that sort of budget needs to be offset by player sales as well. And as things stand, you know, United still have a, a they had a bloated squad before the summer and now they're, they're adding two world-class players and there's still so many sort of fringe options knocking about. So Samuel, United need to get rid of players. Who can we expect to leave? You've said, you know, obviously, Andreas Pereira. No one's really that bothered. We've seen questions here about Phil Jones, but of course, he'd have to prove his fitness to any potential buyer. He's got the wage demands as well, which could rule out sort of championship clubs anyway. And lower league, Premier League teams might not be able to take such a risk. Jesse Lingard's still knocking about. And maybe until Paul Pogba's future isn't certain, you can't maybe get rid of Lingard because he might still have a role to play if, if Pogba were to go. So in terms of departures, there's still so many question marks against the United squad. Anyone we can expect to see leave? There have to be, just to balance the books, just for the squad size. It's it's illogical to ha- to keep the squad the size it is at the moment. And and obviously we're not including Will Fish, Joe Hugel, Ted and Mengi, uh, D- Dylan Levitt, these, the, the academy players, the majority of academy players who've been involved in pre-season so far, they've been involved because there are, there are a surplus of, of senior players because of the, um, the international tournaments. But it is still a very bloated squad, even when you strip out those youngsters who are very much on the periphery um, and, and, and are bound for loans this season. Even someone like Anthony Alanga, I think Solskjaer, it was interesting what he said about Alanga, that he still hadn't decided on when, whether he should go on loan. I mean, I think he just should because there is not an obvious pathway into the first team just yet. This time next year, there's every chance that Mata, Cavani and Pogba will no longer be at the club. So there's going to be a lot of room there for United to look at it and think, are we going to entrust these younger players and, and allow them to grow into their roles? Marshall is another player. If he doesn't have a good season after having the worst season of his career, he's got two years left in his contract. He's a player that next year, I think it has to already be looked at whether United look to cash in on him in 2022. So that would possibly be another senior forward 
um, that goes, but that's a hell of a lot of seniority to to go out without uh, without replacing them. And of course, I think everybody's expecting United to go for a long term number nine next year because this will probably be Cavani's last season at the club. But as as easy as it is to say, get rid of this player, that player, and that player, United have to keep their options open. Diogo Dallo, if if they don't get Trippier, there's merit in keeping Dallo, but. Is he going to want to stay when he's had a reasonable time on loan at AC Milan, and Milan are interested in in re-signing him on another season-long loan? It's that's a difficult one, and we saw earlier in the year how it really didn't help Brandon Williams whatsoever with United selling Timothy Fossey Mensah because it meant Williams had to stay as cover for Wan Bissaka, and, and Williams barely got a kick in the Premier League, and and he needs to go out on loan and wants to go out on loan. Lingard, as you said, they have to keep their options open there because despite every decision Solskjaer's made over the last 18 months, which has been to marginalise Lingard, and he's got under a year left on his contract, if Pogba goes, there's a possible pathway uh, route back into the team. Rashford's injury... Um, is, is likely to keep him out for the start of the season. Marshall's been injured and hasn't been playing well on the left. Daniel James copped a lot of flack at the weekend and certainly had a subdued second season, I, th- I think it's fair to say, at United. And Lingard, I think, is a lot more effective playing off that off the left-hand side these days, even though he's not as dynamic as someone as Rashford or Marshall when they're in full flow. But although I understand why United are keeping their options open with certain players, I do think they just should make definitive decisions. Pogba, Lingard, it, it just makes sense to to sell them this summer. And if you're, you've got that clarity of that they are definitely going, you then know that you are, you are definitely signing a midfielder or you definitely have to sign a midfielder. And it, it just kills all the uncertainty. And I think sometimes, even though it might backfire, a bad decision is is better than indecision. Samuel, not even at August yet. Jane Sancho has signed. Rafael Varane looks like he is going to sign. What has been the big difference in the transfer window for United this summer? Do you think it is that reshuffle at, at sort of boardroom level and the hierarchical changes behind the scenes that have led to United being more efficient? Because you know, I think most United fans are still pinching themselves that United are operating like a elite club again. I don't think the hierarchical change has has made a great deal of difference to it as as impressive a figure as John Murtagh is in um, the way he goes about his role he doesn't have a huge deal a huge amount to do with recruitment which is probably why he's known as football director rather than director of football which seems extremely pedantic but I thought it was telling that he's he, his statement his quotes were attached to the signing of uh, I think all of the women's players that they they brought in last week because he he was the man tasked with recruiting the women's team back in 2018 and he oversaw the running of the academy jointly with John Alexander who's the club secretary at the time about five or six years ago so he's worked at all levels at the club um, and he's not really this guy who's I think the term that someone at United used was at the coal face um, sounding out agents etc that is still very much Matt Judge's remit and of course, United, they have got their operation um, into gear uh, and they did that a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago. So when it comes to the new year, they've, they have they know which players they want. So they knew that they wanted Varane months and months ago, tail end of last year for certainty, that Varane was going to be a player of interest come the summer. Sancho, obviously, was a player who has been in, of interest to United for a number of years, dating back to his time, uh, his last few months at City, in fact. So 
and the interesting thing is just how quickly Sancho's got done and how quickly it seems Varane is is getting done in that normally it is one at a time and maybe lessons have been learned from two years ago where they seem to spend at least a month on each of those three signings and then be back when the transfer window closed early in, in, in early August, just before the season started, they were out of time and they, they ended the window without two, two key two key signings, a midfielder and a striker. So I think lessons have been learned from that. And it just comes, I think it comes with experience. I mean, if, if they can't have learned from what happened eight years ago with the whole imposters in, in Bilbao, was it over the Ander Herrera thing and just signing Maran Fellaini for four and a half million pounds more than, than was necessary that window, then whenever the hell were they going to learn? But so far, this has been, this has been the, most impressive window United have had since 2016 when I think that was more of a reaction to a new manager coming in in Mourinho and and it's particularly impressive if they get Varane in quite early on that they're doing all this before the window has really caught fire I think most people unfortunately for us I think August is going to be a very busy month because we all sense that June and July would be pretty quiet with the international tournaments going on and come mid-August when clubs realise that they've got some slots to fill and if it starts costing them points in the Premier League and the managers under the cosh, which is inevitable at some clubs, that is going to happen. Then signings are inevitable after that. We saw that with United seven years ago. They had a perfect pre-season in terms of winning all their games under Van Gaal, but they only had Ander Herrera and Luke Shaw signed opening day of the season. They've got Tyler Blackett in a back three, Jesse Lingard playing at wing back, and they lose 2-1 at home to Swansea. And of course, what follows is that four players come in over the space of two weeks two of them coming in on deadline day so it's better to be proactive rather than reactive in a transfer window because you get found out that way yeah and you can always tell which teams which clubs are ever run the best can't you by how how late they are they're involved in in the transfer negotiations anyway in, in terms of the window how active they are particularly on on deadline day samuel i guess the way to end this podcast and this Facebook Live is there is actually a football match this week. There's two of them, in fact. United versus Brentford on Wednesday. Lost against QPR on the weekend. Of course, there's the mitigation that QPR start their season very soon. They played a very strong side. They look like they're going to be one of the better teams in the championship. You know, I've made a whole host of changes. Most of the key players still getting fitness. Solskjaer said after the game he wasn't expecting any sort of the international players to, to be back involved for Brentford. You might see McTominay, perhaps. I know he wasn't involved at at Loftus Road on, on the weekend and he could be involved on Wednesday night. United versus Brentford, what are you expecting from that game on Wednesday? <laughs> that, that is a curveball, that. A pre-season game with, with mainly still a bunch of kids. Um, as, as Solskjaer said, and I think we predicted, there wasn't really, there's not much chance of Pogba and Fernandez and Dallo or Lindelof getting a run out in this game because they're only due to report back this week. The, the timing of it is is a little bit questionable, I'd say. I think if anything, they possibly should have considered a, a midweek game in the week that their the season begins. I think some players are inevitably going to be undercooked because of the international tournaments it's just better for United and it doesn't feel as as much of an issue because they're playing all their friendlies in in the UK and they've not got as um sorry they've they've got as compliant a coach as Solskjaer when I was saying to a colleague on Saturday the last because they were 4-1 down at one point the last time they won they, they lost 4-1 in a pre-season game you you know what happened with with Mourinho, Mourinho in um, in the big house in in Ann Arbor it was Valencia too much holiday Marshall he should be here it was I don't know why the crowd have paid to watch this game 
referee was like a baseball referee. I've learned nothing from this game. Our reserves got relegated last season. It was from a journalistic point of view, it was it was great and it was dreadful because the copy was phenomenal, but there were just there was so much to go at. Um and, and that was when that was also when uh, certainly the um the United staff who overheard his interview with MUTV tried to actually have it pulled, but those back at base in Manchester had actually already beamed it out. So um, fortunately, we got to we got to hear it, we got to see it. But obviously, Solskjaer was never going to rock the boat like that, despite the the defeat at, at the weekend. So it, it might be another game that just kind of make makes everyone feel as though United are meandering to the start of the season. You're still waiting for the for the big hitters to be back. I think that Everton game could be quite crucial and that that might be the dress rehearsal for the Leeds game. I think Solskjaer would ideally want to play a team in that game that could be his team against Leeds the following week. Everton and Leeds finished up in similar positions last season, I think. I think Leeds might have been ninth and Everton 10th um, or vice versa. So that's that's possibly why Everton have been picked as, as opponents uh, a week before the season begins. But I, I had a friend who was at... QPR on Saturday and I think the, the talk among some fans was that United maybe should have scheduled one more pre-season game for that midweek building up to to the Leeds game but some some managers are of the opinion sometimes that the intensity of training is is high enough that a closed week where you've got no midweek distraction in the build up to a weekend game is is the best form of preparation whether it's pre-season or whether it's during the season. Yeah, of course. And I guess it's a bit less of a mitigation for social this season. You know, we, we've been talking every year about how crucial a strong start is and particularly that quite kind run of games United have to kickstart the season, you know, after the Leeds game. Of course, United don't really play anyone until they've got that horrible run of fixtures starting in mid-October. So, yeah, it's going to be pressure on Solskjaer from the start. United's title bid could well rely on how well they start to the the season. Jaden Sancho is a United player. Rafael Varane should be very soon. Samuel Lutkus, thank you very much for joining us at this lunchtime on the Manchester's Red podcast. Thank you, Rich. Thanks, everyone, thank for your questions as well. Yeah, thank you very much for, for tuning in today. Thank you for leaving your questions in the comment section. We did try to read most of them as we were going along and we will be back again later in the week. So do feel free to get involved on those. We might even have one just dedicated solely to your questions, a bit of a Q&A. But thank you very much. Keep up to date with all the latest United news on the Manchester Evening News website. I'll see you again soon.